You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Doug Robbins. Well, good afternoon. I want to welcome those of you that are worshiping uh, next door at the Video Cafe, as well as those of you that are worshiping online or listening on the radio. We've been in this series in recent days called Whispers, and we've been trying to answer that question, uh, can we hear from God today, or can uh, we get a word or a whisper from God today for our lives. And, you know, sometimes we just want to make it clear, don't we? I mean, we we want to hear something. We just want it to be understandable and clear. And it kind of reminds me of that guy who called 911 and he's like screaming at the the operator over the phone. He's like, ma'am, you got to come help me. You got to come help me. I mean, my my wife is laying on the ground. I don't know what's wrong with her. So could you send someone to help her? And uh, the operator is trying to calm this guy down. And she's like, hey, sir, if you just calm down, just tell me where you're at. I mean, Tell me the address of where you're calling from, where you're at. And he says, well, ma'am, we just moved into a house at uh, 613 Eucalyptus Street. And she said, sir, can you spell the name of your street for me? And there was this long pause. And he said, hey, um, if I just drag her over to Oak Street, can you come pick her up there and take care of her there? So see, sometimes we just want it to be clear don't we? And of course, a lot of us would say, well, we have the Bible today, and that's a way that we can get a word from God, isn't it? But um, sometimes the Bible doesn't answer all the questions we have. Like, for example, if you're a parent and your kid wants to go to a party, you want them to have friends and stuff, but you want them to be able to enjoy their friends, but sometimes you have a check in your spirit and says, just don't go to that party. I don't care if my kid throws a hissy fit. You're not going to that party tonight. Or if you get a job offer that pops up, like you're already in a good job, but you get another job opportunity, the Bible doesn't say thou shalt go to work at USAA or whatever company it may be. So sometimes we have to make the best decision we can with the information we have, and there are these other times where we actually get a whisper from God about what we're to do. Let me show you this definition of a whisper. Whispers are gentle, creative, and intimate communications from God. They're gentle, creative, and intimate. Speaking of creative, uh, Valentine's Day just passed, and a lot of you were expressing your love with creativity on Valentine's Day, weren't you? In fact, I went to H-E-B to pick up something for my lady, you know, for uh, Valentine's Day. And my lady, her love language is not like flowers because flowers are impractical. You know, they just wilt and you throw them away. So her love language is like dark chocolate. So I'm going to H-E-B to get her some dark chocolate, get her a quirky card or something like that. And I see all these dudes there. And they're getting stuff for their ladies. You know, they're getting these boxes of chocolates, you know, that are in the heart shape and balloons and flowers and cards and all this kind of stuff in hopes that later they'll get a whisper. You know what I'm saying, ladies? And so whispers, why why does someone whisper? Because they want you to come close. And that's God with you. He whispers because his end game is that you would be drawn closer in love relationship and intimacy with him. And if you can learn to hear the whispers of God, look, It will affect every facet of your life. It will affect the decisions that you make, and you'll make way better decisions based on a whisper from God than you will from your own feelings and emotions or conventional wisdom or even the advice of other people. Whispers are significant. And if we as a tribe of people could learn to, in mass, hear these whispers and act upon them, can you imagine the impact that it can make, not just in our homes, but across our entire city and even across the world if we'll learn to hear these whispers? And this is why we've been making this declaration during this series, hear whispers and have the guts to respond. 
I'm gonna say that declaration again. I'll say the first half, I'll point to you, and you'll say the second half out loud with me. You ready? Hear whispers and have the guts to respond. See, because we know that God doesn't just talk to hear his own voice, does he? But he expects you and I to respond in faith and obedience, to step out and have the guts and the courage to respond. And look, I want you to understand something, particularly those of you that are new to church or spiritual investigators, is that if you have an opportunity to respond to God, you must step out in faith and respond to it. I know a lot of people feel like it's very popular to be a spiritual seeker, but what do you do if you're like that dog that catches the car? You have to respond to Almighty God in the moment that he gives you opportunity to respond to him. Now look at the series overview. God whispers through people, promptings, which we're dealing with today, and pain, which is next week. And then as we move into March, we'll see that God whispers through desires, doors, and dreams. So that's the series overview, and those are the weeks. We got some of this language from a book by Mark Batterson entitled Whisper, and I felt like it was a great little volume that will uh, put a lot of this together for you. But what you gotta understand is that there are some theologians and Christian people in churches and stuff would say, you can't get whispers today, you can't get words from God today, because you know we've got the Bible, and so you just kinda read the Bible, but you don't really get any communication from God outside of the Bible. And they would say uh, further that uh, we have the Bible, you don't get a word from God, and if you do get some whisper or word from God and you speak it and it's not true, then, you know, it should be like the Old Testament where they stoned people. You know, prophets back in those days, if they got a word from God and what didn't come to fruition or wasn't true, then they would be stoned. And look, in the Old Testament of the Bible, if someone got stoned, it, it was not like you know, having anything to do with Cheech and Chung or Pineapple Express. I mean, it was, it's going to be like, you know, they threw rocks at him and they killed him. But what people who espouse this type of view misunderstand is the, the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. See, in the Old Testament of the Bible, the prophets would live in isolation most of the time. They would get a word from God and then, then they would bring it to the people. And in the Old Testament, during that covenant, only a few select people had the Holy Spirit of God on their lives. Now look at the New Testament for just a minute. In the New Testament, uh, all the people of God who have believed in Jesus have the Holy Spirit indwelling them. And the prophets are not to be isolated, but they're to be a part of the community of faith inside the church, and they submit their words of prophecy to the church, see? So it's a big difference there. And by the way, any prophet who will not submit themselves in the context of a local church is either rebelling against God or is not a true prophet and is filled with pride and loves to just go off by themselves and then come and yell and gripe at people. But we see the transition in predicted by Jeremiah. Look at Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31. It says, The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors, but this is the new covenant. I Check this part out. I will put my instructions deep within them, and I will write them on their what? Hearts. 
So now the messages of God are not just in the Bible. Certainly that's what we evaluate. Any potential whisper or word that we get through is the Bible. But he's written these things on our hearts and thus we should pay attention to those promptings that come to our hearts where the Holy Spirit dwells. Now let me give you a definition of a prompting. A prompting is an inner compulsion a leading or being moved by the Holy Spirit. A prompting is not just an emotion. It's not intuition, but it is a compulsion on the inside, a leading or being moved by the Holy Spirit of God. And look, uh, some of the stories I'm gonna tell you today, uh, I'm gonna give you a weird alert. Those of you that are spiritual investigators, you're new to church, and uh, sometimes I'm reluctant to even tell these stories because I don't want to weird you out or make you think that you know Christians are weirdos or whatever like that because there's enough evidence of that uh, out there in, in churches all over the, the world. Um, but what I have heard time and time again from our spiritual investigators is that we don't want you to hide the real stuff from us. We want you to tell us. And that's what we're gonna do today as we look at promptings. And the first story of a prompting I wanna show you today is a guy named Simeon. And he had this prompting in the New Testament of the Bible. In fact, he was a guy who walked with the Spirit of God and God had made this promise to Simeon. And he said, Simeon, before you die, you're going to see the Messiah. You're gonna see Jesus, like physically. And so Simeon had waited his entire life for this. And one day he had a prompting. Look at Luke chapter two, verse 27. It says, moved by the spirit, moved by the spirit. There's the prompting right there. He went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. So you see what's going on here? Mary and Joseph took the baby Jesus at that time and it was child dedication day, like we're having a child dedication coming up here, and it's child dedication day. They bring baby Jesus in to dedicate him, and Simeon, in a moment, had a prompting to go into the church, or in their context, it would have been the temple, and he walks in there, and when he goes in, he sees the baby Jesus, Messiah, and can you imagine how excited he was his entire life? He'd been looking forward to this moment where that he would see Jesus, and he gets to hold Jesus. Can you imagine how awesome that was? And I can imagine that he held him up like on the Lion King, the circle of like, you know, it's just like, um, there's Jesus. But what would have happened? As I read this story, I'm thinking to myself, you know, I'm just praying, God help me see this. The Holy Spirit's saying like, what would have happened if that day Simeon would not have taken advantage of that prompting? In time, the timing of Simeon's prompting was very significant, and the same is true in our lives. Here's what's happening with some of you during this series. Some of you are getting promptings that God will fulfill at a later date. Others of you have had promises or prayer requests that you've sensed that God's gonna do something for you in years past, and a prompting during this series could lead you into the fulfillment of that prayer request or that promise, just like it did with Simeon. And so time is significant. And there are a couple of different Greek words for time that I wanna talk about today. One of them is chronos. That just means linear time, chronos. 
It's, you know, you check your watch, you're trying to figure out what time it is. You check your phone to see the time that it is. That's chronos. But kairos is a completely different kind of word. It doesn't mean time in the linear sense, but it simply means moment of opportunity. A kairos prompting is what we're talking about. So when you're walking along, like you can see on the chart, you're walking along in linear time, and all of a sudden, a kairos moment happens that you can see on the chart. That is where God is inviting you into what we're gonna call the learning circle, where you can be changed, and God is inviting you to experience his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Now, later on in this series, I'm gonna teach you more about a Kairos moment and what happens in that learning circle. But for today, suffice it to say that when you have one of those moments, one of those moments that makes you cock your head just a little bit, something's different, something's odd, some experience you have or interaction you have with another person gets your attention somehow, that could be the Kairos moment. And in that moment, is when you must respond and have the guts to take action and do what the prompting is. Now, our next story of a prompting involves Jesus. Jesus is no longer a baby at this point in the scriptures. He's growing up. He's about to begin his earthly ministry. And before he does, he gets a prompting. Look at Luke chapter four, verse one. It says, then Jesus full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River, and he was, here's the prompting, led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. Now, if I would have been Jesus at that point, I would have been very tempted to pass on that prompting. It's like, if you get a prompting to go like, live out on the land in the wilderness for 40 days and not eat and be tempted by the devil himself, I would pass on that one. But Jesus, being obedient to God, went. And as he went, he would be tempted by Satan in three different ways. And what you're gonna see is Jesus using, wielding the scriptures in order to overcome the temptations. And the scriptures is what we filter any prompting through because God's not the only one that's giving promptings, is he? There's also the enemy and this demonic spirits that are trying to tempt us and prompt us into sin and dysfunction and things that will destroy our lives and the lives of other people around us. And so Jesus continually says, the scriptures say, the scriptures say, the scriptures say. Now look at the first temptation. It was uh, the enemies trying to tempt Jesus to turn the stones into bread so he can break his fast and eat. Now, what you gotta understand about this, okay, first let me tell you, Jesus said, the scriptures say, no, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So Jesus is saying, hey, look, devil, what you gotta understand is uh, life is way more than just filling your stomach with food and surviving and eating. There's more to it than just that. And if you follow Jesus' ministry throughout the gospels, you'll see that he did a fair amount of bread miracles. So he could have done it. That wasn't the question. Remember later on, he took some pieces of bread, multiplied them, and fed like over 4,000 people. Then he went to another community and he multiplied some bread and fed over 5,000 people. But if you watch his bread miracles, it was never just to do a little trick and it was never to feed and provide for himself. He knew that his father would provide for him. 
but his bread miracles were always to provide for other people. And that reminds me of a prompting that a group of City Church downtowners had one evening when they went to the First Friday Art Walk in Southtown. And while they were there, they went to eat in this Southtown restaurant. And while they were eating, the group had a prompting. And the prompting was, we're gonna tip our server tonight 100% of our bill. And I brought a picture of their server. Her name's Amanda. And Amanda, when she got that tip, she ran back to the kitchen crying. And she later sheepishly came back out and explained to them why she was so impacted by their tip. Because the restaurant where she was working was gonna close down. And she didn't know how she was gonna make enough money for rent. And she needed $325 to make her rent. And that night, that group of people from our church tipped her over $500 to cover her rent and then some so she'd be provided for. Right on? Check it out. So oftentimes, promptings bring provision. See? Promptings provide provisions for people who are hurting and in need. Now go back to the wilderness just for a minute and we'll see the second temptation is that the devil showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and he said, bow down before me and worship me and I'll give you all of this. And of course, you know what Jesus is gonna do? Jesus is gonna jack him up straight up. He's like, the scriptures say, you'll only bow down and worship the Lord God and him alone, see? So that shut that down. And what Jesus understood is, is that oftentimes the promptings of the enemy are to get us to worship an idol or that thing in our lives where we feel like I can't have any fun in life without that or I can't enjoy life without that, see? Whatever that is could be your idol. And God says, no, I want all of your attention. I want all of your focus. I want to be the most significant thing in your life. And it reminds me of a prompting that this teenage kid named Dustin had one year at youth camp. Years ago, I was a youth pastor, and we took this group of kids to a youth camp, and while we were there, something unusual happened on the last day of the camp. It was right after lunch. We were in this teaching and worship session, and what happened was the the teacher who was there and the musician who came to lead in musical worship, they had finished what they had planned and these students, middle and high school students, would not stop worshiping. And the worship leader and camp pastor, they all looked at me and they're like, I don't know what's going on, I don't know what's going on. I said, don't jack with it, man. No one will quench the spirit. And these kids just on their own started, started songs out loud and they skipped their free time that day. Think about that, middle and high school students skipping their free time where they could be playing around to worship God in an old wooden cabin all afternoon and they kept worshiping until we had to leave the camp. And in the midst of this uh, experience of God by a spirit in worship, this student named Dustin comes to me with a prompting. And the, the prompting is gonna sound kind of kind of strange. And the prompting was this, Dustin, give your weed to Doug. And I know some of you are thinking, yeah, Pastor Doug, you could have a real spiritual experience out in the woods of camp uh, after this kids. And by the way, we don't encourage our kids to bring weed to camp. I mean, there's the kind of rules against that kind of thing. So he had smuggled it in there, you know, in his suitcase or whatever. But Dustin uh, brought his weed in this little wooden box. He would have a dime bag 
worth of weed, and he would always put it in this old wooden box that his grandfather had given him, and he called it the old dime box. See? The old dime box, and that was kind of his his pet name for, for this thing that was so important to him that he had to, to have it at youth camp. And so what did he call the container in which he kept his weed? The old dime box. So check this out. He gives me the old dime box in this worship experience. And I'm looking around, what the? You know, I'm getting paranoid, you know? I mean, I know other people in our church know about that thing. I wouldn't know anything about that, but, you know, so I'm thinking, well, Dustin, come out here. We can't stay in the, the cabin thing where everybody's worshiping. We gotta go out on the front porch. So we go out on the front porch and I take the, the dime box and I'm like, uh, I'm gonna sprinkle it out on the ground, right? I don't wanna just throw it out because you know how people are. They'll be like, I'm gonna go down there and save a bud, you know? <laughs> Keep that. Um, so I sprinkle it out there so it can't go back and get it. And then I pray with Dustin. I talk to him for a while and then we're gonna go back into the cabin where everybody's worshiping in there. And there was this unique wooden sign on that building. And this past week, I wondered if that sign, if that building was even still there. So I called that particular camp and I asked them if that building was still there. And I said, could you go over there and take a picture of the wooden carved sign on that building? And they said, yes, they sent it to me and I brought that to show you. Check, check out this sign. Old dime box, that's what it says. And it was like God was saying to Dustin, Dustin, what you worship will no longer be in that old dime box, but now I'm gonna be your old dime box where you come to me and worship me and me alone, is what God says. I'll have no other gods before me, is what the scriptures teach. Now back to Jesus in the wilderness just for a minute. Then the devil took Jesus up to the highest point of the temple and the devil will even twist the scriptures. And by the way, there are people who can twist the Bible to say whatever they wanna say, they create the agenda in their head and then they twist the scriptures to manipulate people into doing their agenda. And Jesus picked up on this when the devil said, yeah, the scriptures say you can go up to the top of the temple here and just bail out, just jump off. And the angels, the scripture says, the angels will catch you and not allow you to be harmed. And Jesus again opened up a can on him when he said, no, the scriptures also say you don't test the Lord your God. Because what Jesus understood was is that the point of a prompting is not just some miraculous sign. And I think Mother Teresa got it right and said it well when she said, not all of us can do great things, but we can do small things with great love. Isn't that the way it is? And oftentimes, many of the promptings in our lives are gonna be those small things that we can do with huge amounts of love in order to serve and love other people. But one of the last prompting stories I wanna show you today involves Paul. And his prompting came in Acts chapter 20, look at verse 22. And now, compelled by the Spirit, that's the prompting there, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. And this one prompting that Paul received to go to Jerusalem would change the entire trajectory of his life and impact people for years to come. 
Because when he made that decision, there were others that tried to talk him out of it. But Paul's like, nope, I gotta prompt him from the spirit here and I'm gonna go. Even another prophet came to him and said, hey, tied a belt around his uh, arms and stuff like that and said, if, if you go to Jerusalem, this is what's gonna happen to you. And Paul said, I'm going anyway because of a prompting from God. And when he responded, when, he, when Paul had the guts to respond, it led to his arrest. It led to him sharing his story in front of governing officials and people in power. And it led to him being transferred to different jail cells in different cities and ultimately in Rome, home of the emperor. And while he was on house arrest in Rome, Paul wrote these letters that would later become what's known as now as the prison epistles, which are Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, and even a little letter to a guy named Philemon. And those prison epistles have made a huge impact on people all over the world throughout the ages of every different tribe, tongue, and nation because promptings lead to impact in the lives of people. There is a nurse in our church who one day had a prompting that would make an impact on a person. And we wanted to show you Ashley's story by way of video. Take a look. Um, we had a young lady who was hit by a car and I was asked if I wanted to go with this patient down to the operating room. She was already um, deceased, but on you know, just uh, medications to keep her blood pressure up and on a ventilator to keep her breathing and keep her um, organs vital. So um, I felt prompted <laughs> to go down to the operating room with her. And um, my job when I went down there was basically just to observe. So as I observed, um, I just prayed over each organ. Um, I walked in, you know, knowing my position as an intercessor and also seeing um, in the past, I've done intensive care for eight years, and so I've seen what happens when organs are rejected, and it's terrible. So um, with that in mind, I prayed over each organ that was taken out. When the um, pulmonologist took out the lungs, I remember um, it was fascinating because he took them out and he inflated them with a ventilator and just started rubbing his fingers over them to see if there was anything wrong with them and I just was praying over them and come to find that uh, a family here at City Church knew the patient who those lungs were going to and that um, she's doing awesome. <laughs> like you know any regular person I was on my Instagram on my phone and I see this picture that Ashley posted and I'm not much of like a reader of posts like I'll see pictures I'll like them and you know scroll to the next like it. But um, for some reason, this, this picture of Ashley in her nurse scrubs with like the medical mask, it just, it just prompted me to read her story. So, you know, after going through the story, we found out that the lungs that Ashley prayed over went to my cousin. And the coolest thing about it is, you know, I saw my cousin um, a couple of weeks ago and um, she was saying how it's just such a miracle how her body received these lungs and she's just doing super well. She recovered well, she's doing great. Uh, she even named her lungs Hope and Grace, which I thought was really cool. So, um, you know, it's just so amazing that 
you know, here someone that I go to church with who's a friend of mine had received this prompting, prayed over these organs, which is kind of eerie, you know, but she prayed over them and they went to someone in my family who is super blessed. Um, I have taken care of a lot of cystic fibrosis patients and I figured if it was a double lung transplant, it was going to someone with, with CF. And the fact that these people um, struggle to breathe, don't get that full deep breath. I mean, it's just something that we do so naturally and don't ever think to thank God for. And um, I just knew it was going to someone that was gonna have new breath in their new, breath in their new lungs. And um, that's just beautiful. good times. And uh, Ashley happens to be worshiping in this service. Ashley, would you just wave right over here just real quick because your church family wants to encourage you uh, today. And sister girl, let me share something with you. Um, On behalf of the whole spiritual family here, we thank God that you had the guts to respond. You got a prompting and had the guts to respond. And someone else has a new lease on life. See, that's what promptings do is promptings bring sometimes physical life, but most certainly spiritual life. And someone here today is having what I'm calling a first prompting. You know what that is? It's when you've never sensed the presence of God before, but for some reason, for for reasons only God knows by his spirit, is that he's prompting someone's heart today to begin love relationship with him through Jesus Christ. And you know what? Remember those prison epistles I was telling you about? There's this one classic text in the prison epistles that's for you if you're having the prompting to begin a relationship with God today. And it's Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Let me show it to you. And it simply says this, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. And check it out. Some of you, the reason that you've never experienced God before and that you're feeling that first prompting today is because in your mind or somehow by your upbringing, you were led to believe that you had to do so many Hail Marys or so many Our Fathers or do so many religious good deeds in order to earn a love relationship with God. But what the scripture is telling us here and the Holy Spirit is saying to you today is it is not by your efforts, but it's simply by believing and receiving a free gift that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin. And you know what you can do next? You have to have the guts to respond by prayer. You say, well, Pastor Doug, I'm not a praying person. It's not hard. You just talk to God. And so here's the way we do it a lot as we close our eyes. So would you join me in closing your eyes and let's talk to God right now because some people are having their first prompting. And if that's you, you don't even have to say anything out loud because God can read your heart and your thoughts. He's that powerful. And you're having an intensely personal experience with him right now. And I wanna feed you some words to pray to him if that would be helpful. Just say to God right now in your own heart between you and him, God, I know I've sinned. And God, I also know that my good religious deeds are not enough to pay for my sin. So I'm choosing right now 
in this significant moment to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to take the penalty for my sin. And God, I welcome you into my life. As we continue in prayer, if you just talked to him and had that first prompting and you'd like me to know about it, just peek up at me real quick. Anybody? I'm looking over to my left, your right. Yes, ma'am. See you over there. Amen. Right on. I see you back there. Excellent. Now I'm looking down here to my right, your left. Anybody over here? Yeah. Excellent. Anybody else? Yeah, I see you right down there. Yeah. I wonder if God works under the balcony. I'm looking underneath the balcony back there. Anybody back there? Yeah, I see you there. Maybe God can even work up in the balcony. Anybody up there? Just look up at me. Yeah, I see you, young man. Awesome. Thank you, God, for all the many people in the different services today that you're drawing to love relationship with yourself. You're so good. And the rest of us who have known you, we want to have like those hearts that we very quickly have the guts to respond. We very quickly obey the whispers of whatever you tell us to do. And we pray all these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.